Welcome to Archery Country Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome to Archery Country Podcast. As today, we're going to dive deep into the sight pictures. We're going to talk about fixed pins, slider sights, hybrids, digital sights. Each and every question that you have about sights, they will answer. As we throw the reins to the boys up in Wake Park, Troy, John, Brandon, and Adam will take you on the trip. Sit back and relax and listen to Archery Country Podcast. How's it going? Real good. Could be worse considering Brandon's condition. <laughs> I'm thankful. And thankful that's, for my health. That brings me to our first topic tonight. I wanted to dive in just a little bit. Brandon, you had an interesting morning this morning. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? I did. So woke up a little early to get in a workout, and I hit the coffee pot, turned that on, was going to go out to the shed to heat it up a little bit, and proceeded to fall down the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> And it wasn't more of a fall. I was skiing down the stairs. So I was able to stay on my feet, kind of right on my heels. <laughs> just and sliding. Yeah, just one step after another. Epic athletic performance. Yeah, yeah it was actually. Yeah. It, was, it was pretty good. Um, put my right hand on the railing to try to balance myself or stop. And my ring finger and pinky finger got caught in one of the brackets that hold the railing uh. on. And it got it messed up a little bit. So I went in today, got a couple broken bones in there and potentially some other stuff so in a few days i get to go find out what we got to do possibly a cast maybe trigger hand definitely a cast yes it's my right hand so no shooting for me for a while i got a splint on right now or fishing definitely a cast or uh well for sure it'll be cast we don't know if we got to do surgery yet or not but well you're lucky to have all of us here because i mean we're willing to help with whatever you need bud all right perfect i appreciate that (laughs) (laughs) well with that being said We're going to dive into the world of sights today. I know it's a real exciting topic, uh, but it's something that, you know, a lot of guys need to cover. A lot of guys need to get into this, kind of figure out what sight they need, what's going to work for them, and what's going to work for the situation they're using it for. First thing I want to kind of get into is I'd kind of like to go around real quick and just find out what sight everyone's using. I'm just curious. Brandon, why don't you start? Well, so currently I am shooting a few different sights. Um, I have one three-pin slider black gold and then a four-pin slider black gold. Been running those for maybe five or six years, something like that. Previous to that, I had a uh, Spot Hog seven-pin. That was kind of before when the slider sights really weren't that popular yet or really not many options. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's kind of what I've been running. Adam? Just depends on the bow, but hunting bow, it's going to be a black gold, uh, pro site, customized fibers on there. Um, but I'm saving up for a Garmin for sure, just cause I always hunt in a state where it's legal. And I just think that's a Cadillac for all the hunting that I want to do on yep. uh, my target bows for the past 15 years. I've been running Excel sites. There's super solid sites and micro adjust, and I can put it on whatever scope housing i want for whatever type of shooting indoor outdoor 3d field nice john uh currently on my one and only bow that i'm rocking and rolling with at the moment i have a five pin bridge lock sight um so it's like the excel site made for matthews oh yeah for the matthews bridge lock system and then i also have uh i have two so two of the exact same sites, which is a, a four-pin slider with, like, customized pins um, that I typically run. And then um, I think I'm in the same boat as Adam. I I think I'm putting a Garmin on one of my bows really? this year. Yeah. Interesting. I, I may or may not be ordering another bow in the next day or two to put that on. So I'm sure Brandon would probably be thinking that, too, but now you probably have some doctor bills or... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> definitely going to have those. <laughs> yeah. Well, with that being said, I want to dive into this whole thing. Like, I, I'm going to pretend like I have not a single clue about sites. Let's say I'm brand new. I'm going to try and relate to the listeners here who are brand new. How did you guys come to your conclusion on picking the sites? What are the first steps you're going to take in finding that site that's going to suit your needs? Well, I guess the, the first thing to tackle with would be like what your needs are. How far are you realistically going to shoot your bow? Um, And what hunting situations are you going to be using it for? Are you 
predominantly tree stand hunting. Are you tree stand hunting and maybe going out west and shooting antelope or mule deer or elk? Um, are you strictly target shooting? I mean, there are there are literally sites on the market to cover any and every possibility out there. And there's also price points that vary from $30 up to $1,300 and everywhere in between. Right. right. Yeah, not only just hunting, but target. Are you 3D? Are you just an indoor shooter? Do you, you know, you going on a field target course? It's a lot of different applications. So yeah, like you said, that's the, the first thing is just what are you going to use it for? Well, I say let's kind of run down a list here. Let's start with like target stuff. Adam, new guy getting into target shooting, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where do you think it is a good base for them to start? Man, that's a loaded question because it's a, it's a wide variety of sites that are out there. If you want a site... Most people, when they first start out, aren't going to go with magnification right away. They're going to work their way into that, and depending if they want to get into a certain class. So say they just have a single-pin fiber optic sight. The single pin allows you to focus on one variable. You dial it into a specific distance, and then you point and shoot. Um, or if you're wanting to go for a bow hunter style setup class, then you're going to have to do fixed pins. But uh, I'd recommend probably a single pin, whether it's like a black gold Super awesome site for hunting. They come with all those sight tapes that you can put on there. They're speed adjusted. And then you can always put a lens on there down the road. But it's super versatile. If a guy wants to have a one bow, use it for target, but then also go out in the field with it and use it for hunting. Yeah, and you go to a lot of target shoots. Is, is that what you see? Like, on, and I don't know how that works, but if there's, you know, you can kind of probably tell more of the beginner, the entry-level mm-hmm. shooters at these. Is that what most people are using? Uh, for the most part, people that are getting into it are doing like an Excel if they're, if they're in an open class, uh, cause they are going to add magnification and they're always going to have magnification. They're not going to take that out hunting. So a lot of times they're running a, a bar that has a lot of windage adjustment so they can shoot a lot of distance, a longer truss on there so they can get a little bit farther out or fine tune how that looks within their peep sight. But again, if they're shooting like a bow hunter style setup, yeah, we'll see a lot of black golds out there, a lot of fixed pins. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so is there a lot of people, I mean, do you see any shooters out there that are just shooting their regular hunting setup? Oh, yeah. Yep, because there's certain classes out there that are designed to easily accommodate bow hunters. And then if it's a 3D shoot, a lot of bow hunters will go to your local 3D shoot and just use the exact same rig. And we have a lot of people coming in doing like hybrid setups. Kind of like what you're doing through 33. Yeah. Something that you can run all the exact same components and not change a single thing, get really familiar with them on a, on a 3D course. And all you got to do is put broadheads on and take it out to the woods. So that'd be a really good option. So then, it, okay, let's get into if you're going to pick your site for, say, right here, Minnesota hunting, you're getting into archery. What is, like, probably... Let's start with the beginner side of things and go all the way up to like top of the line kind of stuff. Right. Where would you guys start with, you know, just your entry level stuff? What are you looking for? Well, I think it, a lot of that comes down to price point. You budget. know, someone, someone, yeah, budget. So when someone's just first starting out and they're just going to hunt Minnesota turkeys or deer or whatever they're going to do, a lot of it's just price point. A lot of those people are looking for a $30, $40, maybe $50 site. And with that, you're, you're just going to get a fixed pin sight, whether that's a three pin or a five pin. Sometimes we'll take, you know, that fifth pin out. So they have a four pin, but that's generally what, you know, that I think that what we see in here is just a fixed pin sight that you're going to shoot 20, 30, 40 yards. Or for a kid or maybe a lady shooting lower poundage, it's going to be a 10 yard pin, 20 yard pin, 30 yard pin. Well, today I had a discussion with a gal who's um, been hunting for quite a while had a fixed pin sight for a long time and then had transitioned into a single pin sight. And that's not the answer for her either. And she is wanting to have more opportunities, hunt a few more other places. And like for her, we're looking at like a, like a double pin setup, be it from spot hog or from black gold. And those options are out there also but your price point is going to increase. Mm-hmm. I think that if I was just strictly whitetail hunting, I really think that like that double pin setup is just dirty. Yeah, that's pretty uh, nice. It, it's so clean. You can see the targets very well. You can see the animal very well. You can still shoot any distance that you want to by dialing to it. 
And with that up pin with two posts, it's pretty, uh, like your vision is just so clean through it, you know, and be it, if you want to set it, you know, your top pin at 20 or 25 yards and depending on what brand you go with, you might be able to adjust the second one. You might not be able to, but like strictly whitetail hunting, I would have a really hard time not recommending that. Like even for a crossover setup for like whitetail slash out West, that's still something that's a pretty strong contender. Mm-hmm. That one's kind of more your high end. Yeah, that's site, opposite right? end of the spectrum, price point wise. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, w- what else is out there for like intermediate beginners, whatever you want to call it? Well, there's single pin sites that are, you know, like your single pin sliders. We have some in here that are, what, 120 bucks, 130 yeah. bucks. Mm-hmm. But then those can, on the high end side, they'll go over 300. And same thing with your multi pin stuff. We have three or four pin sliders that are you know, $150 all the way up to... Fixed pin. No, like a multi-pin slider. Oh, okay. You know, instead of a single pin slider, a multi-pin yep. slider, yep. you know, 150 to over 400 on yep. some of them, anywhere in between. And, and then the same thing with your fixed pin yeah, style right. sites that like, as that price point goes up, you're gaining either better adjustments, better durability, better pins to where they hold light longer. Yep. Um, yeah. Warranty. Yeah, that right. gets overlooked is it's not a big jump up to get a lifetime warranty on a site. And when you think about how long a site lasts, I'm still using I'm like my wife's boy. You got that HHA optimizer single pin. That's the first slider site I used 15 years ago. And for her starting out, I wanted something that was simple. I didn't want to go out and invest in something brand new. I want to make sure that she was dedicated to the sport, liked it. It was a single pin. So it put the distance in. There's not really a whole lot she can mess up. And she's just focusing on good solid fiber. Now, if she keeps showing interest, you go up to that two hundred dollar level, and all of a sudden you get access to sites that have lifetime warranties, which that might be the last site I ever buy for, hopefully. Uh, and then if something breaks on it, the company's going to stand behind it. And I think that's cool about after working in the shop, seeing how these shops really stand behind all that product that people invest in. Yeah. The USA made stuff. There's a big quality difference and then how willing they are to try to keep their customers, you know, mm-hmm. they'll bend over backwards for yeah. you usually. Yep. So do, does she hunt with that site too? Does she hunt at all? Uh, she doesn't bow hunt. Haven't gotten to that point yet. If she ever got into it, is she staying with that site or would you want her to get into like a multi-pin? I guess at this time I want to stick with that single pin. She needs to put in more reps, more dedication to it. It's been kind of few and far between when she shoots. So that and then like your age-old debate of as a newer hunter coming into it, like less is more possibly or like the simplicity of it, not no, not having to worry about what yardage the site is set at. You know, with a fixed pin site, if you got three pins set at 10, 20, 30, depending on the poundage, or 20, 30, 40, you know, in a whitetail hunting environment in Minnesota, that's pretty much all your shots like you're not often are guys bombing them out there for whitetails you know especially like i look back at in minnesota i think the farthest deer i've ever shot was like 24 yards you don't you don't need a lot of pins you're not shooting super far but to have things set so that you just got to pick the right pin anchor execute your shot process versus having the mindset of like i have to I have to be conscious of what my sight tape is set at, or I have to be conscious of where my sight is dialed to for distance. But that also changes with poundage and how much, you know, a guy can pull and, you know, you can get away with a lot with a single pin sight and then doing a little Kentucky windage if you're comfortable with that versus having things set and ready to go. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, I mean, we keep talking about single, uh, multi-pin, all these different kind of families of sites. Maybe we should discuss a little bit, like each family of site. Kind of, can you guys describe that? Kind of let everyone know. Like single pin, obviously, it's pretty much what it is. What it says, right? One pin. You got one dot, uh, but you got your your fixed hybrids. You've got your digitals. Why don't we touch base a little bit on that stuff? Yeah. Well, like on the single pin, like you're saying, you have one pin, but on pretty much all the single pin sites, that's not just set for that distance, right? So you're going to have a tape strip on there where you can still move that site. So if you have a target you're aiming at at 20 yards or 25 or 30, you you're going to have to manually go in there. Yeah, you're going to have to manually, you know, move that. So if you have, if you're out hunting or at a 3D shoot, you got a rangefinder, 
you range the target. If it's at 34 yards, you can slide that pin to exactly 34 yards. Um, I would say some of the advantages of a single pin site, that pin is directly center in the housing of the site. So right in that circle, um, it's visually easier to aim with, easier to look at. And just a lot of people don't get confused and, you know, using the wrong pin. So, yeah. So what, what you're saying is that pin is basically vertical. It's straight up and yes, down, right? So yes. there's less in your line of sight. Right. Exactly. Which I really like that. I, I love seeing a pin like that when I'm looking through a site. I wish they made more options like that. But they're, they're actually starting to, which is kind of cool. A lot of more companies are getting into it, which is super nice. Um, what about you got your fixed now? Yep. Like you can do two, three, four, five. Sky's the limit. Sky's Back the limit. Back in the day, I had a nine-pin site for a little oh while. Nine goodness. pins. Yeah. That <laughs> sucker oh, was uh, tough to see through. That but busy. I wanted to shoot a long ways, and that's how you did it back then. It was uh, it was horrible. You I remember re- what site it was? It was uh, AXT Titanium something that I was a five pin initially, and then I added four more. You kind of <laughs> Frankenstein'd it. Well, it was their like their pins and everything, so it just matter of taking them apart and then trying to slide all those fibers back through. But it was uh, it was busy. Yeah, could you imagine that on a bright sunny day? All those pins just star bursting. I try to not remember that, actually. It was pretty hectic. Um, But yeah, so like you can have anywhere from, even in a fixed pin site, you could technically have just one pin, which actually for like a youth shooter, you know, we get like a four, five, six-year-old in here that they're always going to be shooting at five or 10 yards or something like that. Mm -hmm. One of the best ways to start them. Super easy. There's only one dot to look at. You look through your peep, you put your pin where you want it to hit, and a great way to start out a youngster. Um you know, and then as you get into more pins, obviously it's going to be more distance. Um, you know, the more pins you go, depending on how you incrementally adjust them in five yard increments or 10 yard increments, depending on your poundage or that's going to tell you how far you can shoot, um, without having to do the, you know, Kentucky windage part of, okay, I've got three pins, my bottom pins at 40, but the targets at 60, that full draw, if I put my 40 yard pin on the animal or on where I want to hit and then look at my 20 yard pin put my 40 yard pin up to that and then aim just a little higher and send it say a little prayer and hope for the best yeah exactly you know um but the advantages of a fixed pin site no matter how many pins you have in it i mean once it's set up and sighted in it's there so at full draw if uh you know a buck's chasing a doe and they're at you know 38 40 yards and all of a sudden they're in at 13 yards you don't have to let down and try to adjust. Your pins are all set and ready to go. So there is some ease of use that comes with a single pin or a, excuse me, a fixed pin site that, you know, as you get into like the hybrid stuff or like the single pin stuff might be a little bit more complicated if you have like a, a really active situation going on like that in front of you. So like the hybrid stuff you're talking about, let's touch a little bit on that. Um, so basically it's the same thing as your fix, right? It's, let's say you got your 20, 30, 40. But the hybrid has the option to even go more, even though you have less pins, right? Exactly. Yep. So you can dial that into, I mean, I don't know, what, 100 yards? Yeah, that's what most most of the tape strips from the companies max out at 100 yards. Sometimes you got room to make your own past that. But they do have yardage marks for every yardage. Mm -hmm. You know, so 20 through 100, you have 21, 22, and so on, all the way to 100. So the advantage of that is you can range, you know, your 3D target or if you're out hunting and put it to the exact yardage, you know, versus a fixed pin. If you range an animal and it's at 35, but you have a 30 and 40 yard pin, you're kind of gap shooting. So you're guessing a little bit, Mm -hmm. which gets you pretty close. But the farther you go out, the harder that is to do. And so with your hybrid or even your single, you can, you know, slide it right to that exact yardage, be a little more precise. See, and that's kind of what I like to use here, hunting in Minnesota, especially because, I mean, typically I... I don't know how often I've ever taken a shot past 40 yards. Even I don't even remember the last time I took a shot at 40. But, I mean, I have less pins in my way. Right. And if that chance comes up that, hey, yeah, there's I got to take a shot and it's 60, I mean, how sweet is it that you can just dial that thing right, and right I think to 60? We've, we've seen that's been the biggest trend mm. over oh, the absolutely. last five, six years. The most popular sites we go through nowadays are some sort of multi-pin slider and i think it's because from a hunting standpoint or a crossover standpoint for like hunting but being able to practice out a long ways be it a 
3d range or just even practicing at home or with your buddies it doesn't it doesn't limit you like a fixed pin does you know a five pin fixed pin if you do 10 yard increments you got 20 through 60 and if you're out at a 3d course and there's an 87 yard bedded elk for the final target you're guessing you know you're you're counting pins up and aiming high and it's just a guess with any of the slider style sites you're you're literally dialing into that distance aiming at what you want to hit and executing your shot without guesswork it's also forgiving so say you're at uh on the stand you're at full draw and you got your 20 30 40 the deer is at 30 yards you got that 30 yard pin on them all of a sudden they wind you they take a couple steps or he chases a doe or another buck off and you can kind of guess like well he's creeping out towards that 40 then you can still bring that up and gap them where the single pin you really got to know your bow ballistics well and know okay do i got to aim four inches high or five inches higher instead you can just bracket them even if you don't know the distance exactly it's just a way to have a point of reference and what you said how many pins do you run on your bow hunting bow three three so even though like i know you're seriously into target archery and stuff you you wouldn't want that single pin like your target stuff you opt for the three so what i do is for hunting season i run three but if you look at my bow right now i'll take those bottom two pins and shove them down to the bottom of the housing and i'll take my tape and i'll start it at 20 yards as compared to starting at 40 and have my bottom pin be the the rover mm-hmm. that top pin is my 20 my sight tape starts at 20 and then i just have one pin in the center of that housing that I can take and dial down and it clears up my sight picture a little bit. And I just have the one to focus on. And then I can dial anything 40 and under by starting that tape at 20 to 24 yards, 29 yards. instead of having to compensate for 40 and under. You know, that's one thing we haven't touched on is in the fixed pin realm or in this adjustable realm is your pin stack, horizontal pins versus vertical pins. Yeah. Pros mm-hmm. and cons. Who wants to, who wants to take that? Personally, I want to get a uh, stack, a vertical stack. Vertical, yep. I, I feel at full draw, aiming on a target, my sight movement now becomes more of an up and down type movement as compared to coming from the side and then bouncing off the target, coming back on for visual reasons. It seems like those those pins are more prevalent, the post that those pins are on. The vertical whether there's a pin in between or if it's just a single pin, it sure just seems a lot cleaner. And again, I like how that movement is. I can see almost all the way around it, the front of the, the 3D target, but also the back end. And I can sometimes take that pin, follow up behind a leg, and just get a little bit of a bearing on a hard-to-see target. See, I like the I like that vertical pin stack for like a single pin or a double pin setup, but from a hunting standpoint, like like in a gap shooting circumstance where you've got a target that's at 36 yards and you've got, let's say it's a three pin stack. I prefer a, a horizontal pin for that situation that ver- versus a vertical pin where I feel like I can see the animal better with that horizontal. Um, and then I have a clear definition above and below without any hindrance to what I'm actually shooting at. Yeah, and I think mm. I think I would for myself anyways, I agree with John. The vertical stack I think is is ideal for a single or maybe even a two pin. But I shoot a three or a four pin slider. And as you get out to those farther sites, I feel like when it's vertically stacked, that third and fourth pin almost gets a, a little more distracting because you have that darker post behind it. Mm-hmm. And we're we're bigger, when it's bigger post. Yeah, too. exactly. Where it's coming horizontal, that third and fourth pin I feel like is for me anyways, it's much easier to see and clarify exactly where I'm at, you know, on that animal. The other thing I think I like about the horizontal is it allows me to put my pins where I want them in the housing. I don't like having my 20 yard pin centered from a a hunting site standpoint. I prefer a fair amount of gap on the top side, but I would say that my top pin, like in, in my hunting sites usually starts I probably have a third of the site showing above with no pin in it. Yeah, that's what I do too. It's not centered. It's above center, but I still want to be able to have a fair amount of that housing or gap above that pin for like a close shot. I want to be able to see that animal really, really well. 
and I don't like it where my bottom pin is like snuggled up against my level. Yeah. I want enough gap there where in the same circumstance, right. I can still see really well on a farther shot and see everything that I want. So to. basically what you're saying is you have all three pins as centered in the housing as possible. Middle third. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Something like that. It's hard to describe. I, I don't know. I got to have a site in front of me to show you what I mean. Yeah, and I actually, for me, the same, I like mine the same as yours. So my top pins closer to the top of the housing. And the reason for that, because when I'm shooting my three or four pin slider, my bottom pin, I don't want it to get too close to the level, but then when you slide that site down to say, and you're getting out there a long ways for practicing, you're at 70, 80, 90 yards. The farther you slide that site down, you're starting to somewhat change your anchor a little bit because that site's getting so much lower. And so by not having that bottom pin so low, you're changing your anchor just maybe a hair less. Mm -hmm. and, that, and I guess that's why I like it. Yeah. I mean, to get, I could get a little more yardage out of my site if I lowered all my pins down and had my bottom pin flirting with the level. Cause then as you travel the, like a slider site down farther, it's going to come in contact with my vein a lot, not as soon, you know, it's going to take more travel for that to happen. Um, so I might give up five, six, 10 yards on max distance on my site but I want the best visual picture in a hunting circumstance, which is what all my bows are set up for. I just, I just want to hunt something. Mm -hmm. So the next one would be your digital, which you are not going to run into any of that, you know, vertical, horizontal, all of that's out of the way. Who wants to jump on top of that one? Yeah, we can I can start it. We yeah. can all just hodgepodge this one, I right. guess. So. I will say this, that I think I decided what my second bow is going to be for the year based off of this site. Well, tell us. What is it? I think I'm going to do the uh, RX-7 Ultra. Similar axle to axle to what I'm shooting right now, which I've kind of been debating between the Ultra and then the standard size one. I'm okay with a little bit slower bow, especially if I'm going to put the Garmin on it anyways, because it doesn't matter how fast right. or how slow your bow is. It doesn't matter how heavy or light your arrow is, because at full draw, you're able to range right on the spot careful now you might make some enemies with those sayings right there that's all right i'm, I'm gonna do what i gotta <laughs> do i'm only gonna use it in states where it's legal i'm gonna follow the law on it but i set up a customer's bow here not that long ago that's a left-handed shooter like i am that's what he got was the rx7 ultra he and then with that new hoyt and their picatinny rail setup how that how that garmin side attaches into that is absolutely indestructible i feel like it's it's super clean it attaches well. It actually sheds some weight off of the site because uh, the bracket is so much shorter on it. And I, because he's a left-handed shooter like me, I actually was able to run a lot of arrows through his bow before he picked it up on with his permission. Um, and how that thing balanced out and how it shot and how, how well I could shoot his bow, which was a half inch too long for me. Um, I was shooting stupid good with that thing. And the balance felt really good. But looking through that digital site, there's no pins coming in from anywhere. It's like a, it's kind of like a red dot site for mm -hmm. people who haven't, aren't familiar with what a Garmin site is. So it's a, it's a, a fixed housing, uh, it has a prism inside of it. And then it produces like a red dot style site, which is incredibly easy to aim with. That is one of my downfalls with a fixed pin or even a slider, you know, multi-pin slider is I tend to being a lefty, my pins come in from the left side and I tend to like pull them off to the left to peek at the bullseye while I'm aiming. And while I was shooting his bow, I could see the whole target. I could see the bullseye. And even with that red dot on the bullseye, I wasn't peeking because right. you can still almost see through it a little yep. bit. Yep. It is just filthy. Yeah. I mean, I, I like, I well, basically ordered a bow and a yeah. sight based off of shooting this guy's bow a couple times. It's just really clean and simple. Yeah. feeling when you're shooting them and then the ability to not only have it as a uh range on the fly range at full draw so in any hunting circumstance if you're already at full draw and a deer's moving closer or further away or even just paralleling you in a in a circle shape you can be at full draw aiming until you get your shot opportunity and at that second that that happens, you can let go of the button that's on your riser, which tells it that that's the range you're going to shoot. It produces a dot instantly for that distance. You put that on your target and you shoot, but you also have the ability to sit there and have it as a multi-pin sight in, you know, 
like if something were to happen fast. So I feel like when I'm sitting in a hunting situation, I'd probably have my fixed pins pulled up, you know, two, three, four, five of them, however many you want. And then as a, a buck comes in or a deer comes in or something that I want to shoot, the ability to draw back and take your time, range that deer, no matter what yardage, 23 yards, your dot is produced for 23 yards. Yeah. There's no gap shooting, right. which is a hindrance, you know, in most sites, there's no gap shooting. And then arrow setup, it allows you to, I mean, for guys who want to rock the heavier arrows in states where it's legal to run a Garmin, it's, I mean, it's the ultimate, right. you know, cause that heavier arrow, your downfall of that with most sites is that your yardage is crucial, especially past 25 yards. Right. So it solves so many issues. And even on, uh, I had a gentleman last year that bought a brand new bow, never bow hunted before. And he decided that this was going to be his thing that he's getting into. And he bought a pretty high end bow and he put that Garmin sight on it. And to help him learn the consistency and a grip, like to even set the rangefinder portion of it, it's a great tool to help someone actually learn how to hold their bow. It right. shows you, well, it doesn't show you, I guess, but like while you're ranging, it has, uh, inside of that prism it has like two dots that you got to line up to be able to range so to help produce a consistent grip it i mean it basically shows you that you're yeah. holding your bow the same way or that you're not right you know i mean how awesome is that right yeah and in a hunting situation most of the time we're not thinking about form or anything you're worked up you're trying to just make that shot you're, you're every thinking part is out the window but with that garmin you click that button and you're ranging them you will see it. So it makes you actually think about it. And then if you are off, yeah, you can easily correct it. Yeah. There's no other site out there like that. And then with the updates that they've put into their, their pro site version of it, their mm -hmm. newest one that they have, your measurements from the peep to the arrow, from the site to the arrow, from the site to the peep, anytime you start talking angles up, angles down, uh, it, it, it's that much smarter to help you correct for those mm -hmm. true ballistic distances. Well, we can have someone set up in here get it calibrated for their bow, sight them in at 20 yards. And when they walk out the door, depending on how heavy their arrows, pretty much you're dialed into 80 yards without ever shooting anything but 20. Right. And it's, and it's right on the money. That's pretty at, sweet. At any distance, mm -hmm. which, yeah, that's incredible. Yeah. Is that pretty much the reason why you're thinking of switching to a Garmin? Yeah, just the forgiveness because trying to judge yardage at full draw is, is very hard. You lose a lot of your depth perception and kind of your peripheral sense when trying to analyze how big a target looks and trying to range, say, a field, like an alfalfa field, mm -hmm. is almost impossible to try and get, well, there's 20 and there's 30. You're looking at, well, that piece of alfalfa looks taller, so I'm going to range it because I know it's different, but it's over here. That deer comes out 180 degrees down here. I have no way to analyze or like get that to line up, and so I'm trying to judge whether visually, which I'm not a very good distance judger, so I have to put a range finder on it. Well, there's that much more motion, adjustment of a sight, or even trying to think about my pin gap if I have a fixed pin sight where I know that deer's under 50. I'm that good of a judger. I know <laughs> that's within my wheelhouse. I'm going to draw anchor aim, range it, and it's going to set up and shoot. I like how with this pro sight, you can easily just speed calibrate things and run through, become familiar with all those different marks on there and just make sure everything's good. But a couple different arrow builds in there as well, I think it's a pretty sweet deal. Mm -hmm. That is cool. I forgot about that different arrow build thing. One thing I guess I don't know is, is there different color options for your pins or in, is it just one color? In the pro site and in the A1i, you can have green or red pins. In the A1, which is their uh, 799 model, mm -hmm. um, that one is only going to be red. Only so red. So the nice thing, like how I would set mine up and what makes sense in my head is that my ranging color dot is going to be red. And so that way, like when something comes out, red means I've got to range it, right? So at full draw, when the pin is red, I'm, I'm never shooting off of that pin. But no matter what distance that deer comes out, whether it's 13 yards or, or 83 yards or anywhere in between, you draw back, anchor, put that red dot on them, and you can push the button on your riser to range it. And then the way I would have mine set up is that once you let go of that trigger, that's what tells the site, that's what distance I'm, 
I'm ranging and I'm, I want a pin produced for that, I would have that pin changed to green at that moment. So then when that pin changes to green, you know, if it moves or if it doesn't move, like if it's about 20 yards and that's about where that red dot is set for, um, it's still going to turn to green and that's going to tell me it's go time. Green means go, baby. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so basically what I'm hearing is this thing pretty much does everything for you except drag the deer to the truck. Right. You <laughs> still got to be able to execute yeah, a shot. Year's, next year's version. Next year, oh, yeah, yeah. I would imagine. Yeah. I think you still, like, you hear that a lot from guys. Like, oh, you know, what are they going to come out with? Uh, is this even legal kind of thing? And, like, if you're, if you're a really, really terrible shot, it's probably not really going to make you a better shot. It, you still have to have good form the ability to still anchor and 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 hold your bow the same way and have your grip be the same whether you're sitting or whether you're standing is still crucial um so it's not a cure-all it's not something that like a guy can come in here and he's you know man i yeah all my buddies shoot better than me i'm i'm gonna put that garment on and it's gonna make me better than them that's not the case there's still there's still practice there's still form there's still different grades of equipment that it doesn't guarantee anything it doesn't guarantee anything looks cool but at the same time since i don't have one i can think back on hunts that i've been you on wish you had it and was like man if i had that garmin right. oh <laughs> man i'd have another deer on my wall <laughs> well hey i'm gonna stop you right there john for a minute we're gonna take a quick break and we're gonna listen to a tech tip from adam we'll be right back welcome to this week's archery country pro tech tip Hey everybody, this is Adam Kramer again with your archery tech tip of the week. Today's topic is bow grip. Now, such a minute detail in the greater scheme of archery, but it's one thing that commonly gets overlooked, commonly mistaught, and has such a profound impact on how you can enjoy archery and how you can be successful. So with grip, again, we see this all the time with people coming into the shop. We see all different types of mentalities on it. The reason it's so important, first and foremost, is that your connection with the bow comes predominantly with the grip. There's no other parts of your body that are going to touch that bow more than your hand. Also, with that having the most amount of contact, that's also the opportunity for the most amount of torque. Now, when we talk about torque, imagine that riser being twisted and then pulling the string back. And then that cam system is basically going to be tilted off to one side or another. And it's going to cause that string, as you release that arrow, to come down awkwardly and be slung off to one side or another, depending on how it's being torqued. Now, what also happens is it's going to impact the way that you hold on target. With a bow properly set up and with somebody properly holding it, you're going to notice a little bit of pin float, but it's not going to be drastic and severe, and it's not going to be very twitchy. So what is the proper type of pin, or excuse me, what's the proper type of grip that we should be using? The best way to describe it to somebody, and we do this a lot, whether it's with our, our kids' classes or somebody coming in and they just have a general question about it or we're getting them started at archery or it's a seasoned veteran. The way I always describe it is you take your, your hand, your bow hand, whether you're left or right hand, and I'm going to describe it as a right-handed archer just because that's what I am. Imagine you're looking over your shoulder and you're giving your target the thumbs up. Now you're going to take that thumb and you're going to turn it to two o'clock. So just a little bit to the right. Now, if you're left-handed, it's going to be 10 o'clock. So I have my thumb turned to two o'clock and I'm going to take my knuckles and I'm just going to roll them back over my wrist. Now it's going to be a little bit different for a lot of people. Most people are used to having their knuckles run basically parallel with the bow and the entire side of that grip being contacted by the palm of their hand. A proper grip the only thing that's going to be exposed to the riser of that bow is going to be one main muscle group. A lot of times people talk about putting that bow in the lifeline of your hand. Well, it's not really ideal. It's better than what we see most times, but you still have two different muscle groups on either side of that bow handle that's going to be fighting for control. If you expose it to one muscle group, there's not going to be uh, that, that fight for stabilization. There's not going to be this left-right push and try and find that balance every time. And what happens when you roll those knuckles back, that's one of the important things. Rolling those knuckles back will create a low wrist position. Low wrist position basically just means you have a flatter presentation to the grip of that bow with your hand. And you can try this 
roll those knuckles back almost to the point where it's hyperextended or overly done and then try and turn your wrist either way just at the wrist joint and you're going to notice that there's really not much that can occur now take your hand flatten it out and then try and pivot at the wrist and you're going to notice that that hand can do basically a 180 your thumb can go from either side freely now that's going to translate into a steadier hold because that bow doesn't have as much uh, pivot or function in that hand also it's important have that hand nice and loose now typically when somebody's shooting we say hey just loosen up your grip a little bit they take those fingers and they point them straight out almost like they're going to try and slap downward what happens is and you can feel that hold your hand out open your hand out and you're going to feel when you have those fingers straight out the tension that's created basically in the top end of your forearm the top of your hand even into your wrist just leaving them lax nice and flaccid basically no tension whatsoever just keeping that low wrist position that low wrist position is also going to create all the pressure of the bow pushing into your hand it's going to be bone on bone as compared to muscle bone on bone is going to be a much more stable platform in which to shoot off of when you also turn that hand as a right hand shooter you turn it to two o'clock you're going to notice the elbow is going to turn outwards slightly that's also going to allow for that string to go forward towards the bow without striking your arm. A lot of new archers, again, they're going to grab that like a suitcase handle. And that's going to turn that hand into that string path and they're going to end up slapping it. Um, there's some other things you can change to help that. Drawing is going to be one of them. But the main thing is that right hand position. So what we see is when people are coming in for a paper tune and they want to shoot it through paper, they go ahead, they, they shoot it. And they get a, a four-inch tear, a four-inch left or right tear. And a lot of times what it comes down to is torque. They'll shoot, and that arrow's going to come out a little bit crooked one way. The next time they'll shoot, it'll come out crooked the other way. That inconsistency is all caused by torque. Not a single thing to do with basically tuning or mechanical issues with the bow, just in how it's being held. Different things that you can do with your grip. We see a lot of people nowadays going to aftermarket grips making them slimmer, making it, uh, say, flatter, more square on the back end. Also see a lot of the, the grip tape nowadays. And the grip tape's nice, so we don't have direct contact with a, like a cold aluminum riser, or if you're carrying your bow a lot, uh, it makes it so that way the sweat of your hand doesn't cause that bow to be really greasy or grimy. One thing I would advise is don't get one that's going to be super tacky. So it's not going to adhere to your hand, so if there is a little bit of pressure or offset in your wrist it's being translated directly into your bow what i do on all my bows actually is i use like 3m tread tape it's just going to be a gritty tape put it down the surface of the grip in which i'm actually going to have contact with nothing on the sides and that just allows for my hand to stay in the position in which i set it prior to draw and not slipping up so if you're shooting outside or say that's cold out and that bow just gets a little slick your hand's not always going to want to be so throaty on that riser and that way the top of your hand isn't making contact with the bottom end of your arrow shelf causing torque. So there's multiple ways to go about it. Different makes and models are going to have different grip shapes and sizes. Um, but the main thing is, is starting with that proper positioning and then you can kind of customize your bow grip to it. But it's such a simple thing to work on at home. If you're having inconsistent arrow flight, say broadheads, fixed broadheads are being really erratic for you. That's something to take a look at for sure. Just another thing to help you with your archery progression. This has been Adam Kramer with your archery tech tip. Now back to the podcast. All right. We were just talking about digital sites here. And uh, I guess one thing we didn't cover was there's probably more than one option of digital site to pick up. You know, what else is out there, guys? Uh, so the other main brand that makes a digital site would be the Burris uh Oracle 2. Oracle 2. Yeah, they came out with the Oracle a few years back, and now it's Oracle 2, their second edition of it. Yep. So it kind of some differences between them. Uh, the Oracle has like a, a vertical post that runs all the way through it. Um, it's a little bit heavier. Um, maybe the, the advantage that the Oracle has is that it still does have a fiber point when for sighting it at like 20 yards. So even if you know, everything's dead, whatever, you never change your batteries in five years, that you still have a 20-yard post to shoot off of a, with that one. Yeah. The other kind of disclaimer that we were kind of talking about there is uh, 
before the purchase of any of those style sites, you should check with like the main places that you hunt or maybe plan to hunt in the future to just verify legality because they are not legal everywhere. Do you know how many states don't allow it? Is- Maybe like 10 of them. Yeah, most states are legal. Yeah. But they're not everyone is. As you go out west farther, Dakotas, mm-hmm. Montana, right. you know, Washington, Oregon, Utah, Idaho, Alaska. They get kind of strict, huh? Yeah, for big game hunting, they're not legal. So that's what you got to look into. Um, but at the same time, like, I know I know a few people that, like, will still hunt those states, but they just have a second site. They have a fixed pin slider site, or they have a fixed pin site, or a single pin site that... In that hunting circumstance, they're going to put that site back on their pole for that hunt, do their hunt, and then when they come back to whitetail hunting, be it in Minnesota, Kansas, Nebraska, whatever, um, where you can use it, that they go right back to that Garmin site. Because it is, you know, there are advantages, obviously. What about, like, just the tri-state area? Like, Wisconsin, do you know? Is that legal? Yeah. Iowa? Yep. Yep. Uh, I'm pretty sure Iowa is, but... Maybe check into that. Check into Check, Iowa, in, yeah. check with the local game warden on that. Yeah. But like the Dakotas aren't, and that's probably one of the hindrances. A lot of those guys that live in Minnesota going across the board, we probably sell a lot more Garmin's. Yeah. It was legal in those two states. But like with these bows nowadays with like a bridge lock adapter or a Picatinny rail like John was talking about, super easy to put on that second site. It's not a major hardware adjustment. And then also the reticle lineup is going to be the exact same as long as you put in the exact same hole on that riser. So you could basically have a backup for your Garmin, yeah. and when you switch a state, just easy as a couple yeah, screws I mean, and you you're good to go. In, you sight in that other site. If you put it back in on the same spot, same attachment holes, shoot it a few times to make sure, but it's going to still be sighted in, you know? Um, and especially with, like, their new the Garmin, like the Pro site, um, they have that dovetail system that you can take back off, and their wire cord for it is uh, got, like, a quick detach on it also. So it's a lot more easy. It's a lot easier to take it off and on than what their original series was. Nice. And uh, I don't want to get, we've uh, we've got a little bit of time left. I don't want to get too long into this with you guys. I know everyone's got to get going here in a little while. But like uh, customizing your pins and stuff like that on your site or customizing your housing, you can do that too. Um, what What have you guys done and why have you done it on your sites? So for me... Like being on my black olds, their standard housing, I think, is like a, is it an inch and three quarter? Yep. Right, so that's like their standard housing, or they make their big dog housing, which is a two inch. So I always get mine in the two inch housing. Um, part of that is I like to shoot a bigger peep, a quarter inch peep, and that lines up better with that quarter inch housing, or excuse me, that two inch housing. And for me, when I'm deer hunting, mule deer hunting, whatever, I like to have that bigger sight housing with a bigger peep just for low light. You know, you get down to that last half hour, first half hour the bigger your peep the better you can see and it just matches up good with that two inch housing how about you adam on mine as far as customization or upgrades i probably more or less upgrades would be going to the dove tail system just to get it to fit into a case a little bit better sometimes you can be restricted you can just zip that in uh, my third pin my bottom pin is gonna be a ten thousand, so smaller than the standard nineteen thousand. so we see that as a common request at farther distances. It's just going to take up less of a uh, the body of an animal or of a target, just for a little bit more precise aiming. And then also the color scheme is going to be on mine, green, red, green. I just don't really care for yellow. And then micro-adjust left and right because I feel like that's pretty critical. Do you like the micro-adjust? For left and right because a lot of times that's the one I'm going to, after my initial sight-in day or week, that's the one you tweak. Oh, I'm shooting just an inch to the right today. I don't want to have to loosen that up, try and hold it, get it to move, whatever increment that would be, a 16th, 32nd, whatever that is on the rail, um, and then have to overcorrect and come back and shoot more arrows. That's one be able to make two clicks, positive movement, shoot, see it respond, keep rolling. Or on yep. a course, if you only got 20 targets to shoot, I don't have the chance to be uh, putzing with an overcorrection the entire course. How about you, John? Uh, so I actually would say the same mindset as Brandon. Um, I run all of my sites in a bigger two-inch housing. Uh, the larger housing allows you to run a bigger peep site, as Brandon spoke on. And then as far as pins go, um, I run on my slider sites, I run a four-pin slider on both of them. 
and I have them set up for like green, yellow, red, green. So my top three are in the 19 thou size, and then the bottom one is the .010, so it's a smaller size pin, which as Adam touched on, covers up less of your target at those farther distances. That smaller size pin also disappears quicker in a low light situation, but in a low light situation, you're not shooting that far. I've I've also kind of found that a lot of people, some people, you know, everyone's eyes are different. Yeah. And some people have been like, oh, this pin is just too blurry. Yep. You know, they get that halo kind of around the pin or whatever. And I actually told them to go down to a smaller pin diameter and it's helped them a lot. So for some people, it's not even for you know, hunting purposes. It's just their eye and helping them see better. Right. I'd say the only other like upgrade or customization that I have on, on both of my sites, um, that is removable for states where you can't have it, but I do keep a, a site light on, on, on both of mine. Um, it's just kind of an insurance policy. Uh, I don't think I've ever actually used them in a hunting situation, but it's there as a security blanket. Mm-hmm. And then if I hunt states where, you know, like North Dakota, you can't have a sight light on. It just unthreads right off. So you just take it off really easily. But it's really nice for like turkey hunting or shooting inside in different places. Mm, lighting, yeah. lighting is different. Um, but yeah, the pin color thing comes down to just who you are. Um, I know a lot of guys that the red pin doesn't show up or the yellow pin doesn't show up. And I, I feel like across the board, everyone sees color a little differently. But across the board, I feel like most people really like a green pin for most like... Yeah. hunting situations it's probably a little bit different on target like i really hate a green pin when i'm shooting a vegas target the mm. green and the yellow really bleed really bad for me to the point where like when i shot leagues i would actually slide my green pin up and recite in for like my red pin because red against yellow i could see better than green against yellow um but everyone's a little different on that aspect of things i would say so with that said i mean basically you can take a site you can change the size of the housing housing you can change your pin colors. You can change the size of the pins. Um, what am I missing? Well, you can on a lot of them. Like Adam said, he shoots a dovetail. Yeah. I don't. I'll just shoot like a standard base or now on the new Matthews, the bridge lock. Or if you're getting a white, you can get the Picatinny. But, so that would be a little customizing, you know, the back end of the site. How does it attach your bow? That and then the ring around the front of the site, you, yeah. like depending on what company. Oh, like different colors and yeah, stuff? Yeah, different colors. If you're trying to match like a color scheme, you got, you know, good looking bow. Um, or even just like, just a color you can see better than the other, you know, the, the white rings have been really, really popular. Um, I don't know if that has something to do with color blindness or just low light situation, but having a, uh, something that you can center around with your peep site that's, Mm -hmm. that your body kind of naturally does. So that's why a lot of companies have like a, a bright green or a bright yellow. Um, but some, some sites you can change out the size of that ring, like on the spot hogs, um, they have like their three tier system that you can unthread off the front. And if you don't want that big obnoxious three color ring, you can put a smaller one on. There's just a lot of, there's a lot of stuff a guy can play with. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like if somebody really wanted to, you could dive in pretty deep with this stuff and really customize it to exactly what you want. And that's really what we all do. Like why I run the site that I do for, for someone else, they might think it's the stupidest site setup ever. And they can think that because maybe they're hunting somewhere different than I am or they're ranging or, or just how they shoot is just different than I am. And mm-hmm. I think that's one of the beautiful things about archery too, is that like, just because this is something that I run and I believe in it and it works super well for how I like it, it doesn't mean it's going to be the right answer for you. Mm-hmm. Um, like I got a buddy's got just really, really bad eyes. So he shoots a single pin sight and I just for how I hunt and where I hunt that just doesn't cut the bill for me but right. he has a hard time seeing more than one and still kills big deer so good for him well with that said before we uh, wrap things up I kind of want to just cover one last thing with you guys uh, let's talk a little bit about what we can do for people if they want to come in if they want to customize if uh, you know we can help them get into any kind of site they want what what are some things we can provide for them yeah, well, first off, when someone comes in looking for a new site, if they're buying something in stock, we're going to mount it. And if that site has the capability for a first axis, second axis, or even a third axis, some some sites are different, we will level all that to your bow, take can, you on the range. Can you explain that just a little bit for me, the axes? What, what yeah, are so those? That's, that's What the axes are is basically adjustments that the site has 
to get it level for your bow, like truly level for your bow. Um, your like your lower end sights or your entry level sights aren't gonna have a lot of those options. And for some people, you know, starting out, they're probably not that important, right? So that's not a a must have for a lot of people. But mm-hmm. as you get into it more, and you're hunting out west in the mountains where there's drastic angles, or you're doing 3D, you know, courses where some of your shots are longer having that sight truly level on those longer range shots can make a big difference. Absolutely. Um, Adam, what, what, are, what are some other things we can do for the fine folks? Picking out a site, a lot of times we have these in stock, so it's not looking at it on the, the website or in a catalog and actually looking at how it's going to operate and function and adjust. Uh, we've done it where like on guys wanting tournament rigs, we get them the right bar. And then if they want to get a scope assembly put together, picking out the right lens, the right verifier, clarifier, I guess, uh, a sticker, or if they want to run an up pin, make sure it's well lit, putting all that together. So that way, then we go into the first, second, third axis, of course, and leveling, um, and make sure they have a clear sight picture and can be effective on the range. John, you got anything to add? These guys touched on it pretty well. I think the advantage of like being able to put sights in your hand um, and and kind of role-playing hunting situations that you've been in where your stuff hasn't worked out for you is it advantageous. Um, you know, all these sight companies that make like multi-pin sliders, they're not cookie cutter. Um, one's going to work better for one guy than the other and seeing where like the adjustment dials are. Well, what quiver are you running? Do you mm-hmm. shoot with your quiver on? Is that going to be in the way? Is it going to be in the way to see your sight tape with your quiver on with this brand versus this brand? That's stuff that you just, you know, when you put it in your hands, you can kind of run through that a little bit better. Um, and then like these guys said, we can mount them. Not only that, we're going to we're gonna go on the range. We're going to make sure that you're sighted in really well at 20 yards. you got 20-yard indoor range. Um, but with some of these sites, we have the ability to, like, gap your pins out for you already to where – you know, maybe you're not familiar with adjusting your pins and you're just starting to shoot farther. It's not very fun to go to a range mm-hmm. and send all your arrows into no man's land <laughs> and all right, well, that was fun. I got to go buy more arrows before I can keep going or I got to go spend an hour searching for these things in the grass. Yep. Um, you know, we can, we can help you with that to where like when you do go outside, you still probably are going to have a little bit of an adjusting to do, but not, you know, not a lot. But definitely get them on paper, right? Get them on paper, but then to know that, all right, when you go out to 30 yards, it's going to be dang close, if not right on. Go out to 40 yards, same thing. You're not you're not going to be launching them out over or under, or, you know, two miles wide of the target. So it's just a more enjoyable experience, I feel like. Um, Absolutely. That you have that confidence to be able to pick it up and go. And then we got so many different minds to bounce things off of. Mm-hmm. How I approach a site versus Adam versus Troy, versus Brandon, versus Jake, versus Nate, or whoever's in the shop, we all have a little bit different approach. And being able to hear different guys' theories on things as to why they run what they run, and then running that through what you're going to be using that site for to find you know to find the right site for you at that time. Yeah, so basically the biggest thing we can do for the good folks who are listening right now is basically we can go through so many different options. We can help find exactly what's going to suit you and your needs getting set up with like a whether it's a Garmin or a burris sometimes that can be daunting if you do it on your own there's a lot of questions or the different settings Uh, but also the people that buy sites from us and they have oops moments where it gets dropped off a tree stand breaks that site a mule rolls over it all the things that happen during hunting those people that bought sites bringing them back to us and we can help them through that warranty process we send off the sites and we take care of a lot of that legwork get those sites back we reinstall them make sure that those axes are set and so that beyond the purchase as well that also is yeah. a good service that we provide and gets taken use of yeah and i think another thing too is i know we talked a lot about black golds but we carry spot hog excel trophy ridge fuse uh hha hha for i mean we've got a ton of different brand sites here so we're not a lot of us shoot the black golds but we have many many more we got Single pins, mm. hybrids, digitals. Yeah. The Garmin, the, the Burris. Yeah, I mean, and we, crossbows too. We right. haven't forgot about you guys. We got crossbow scopes. We've got the yeah. Garmin crossbow scope. we got the Burris crossbow scope. It's not all vertical bows out there. There's there's some stuff for the crossbow guys out there too. Right. Well, that's a podcast for another time though, right? Probably, yeah. That one's <laughs> going to be just as long. But Well, hey, I want to thank you guys for tuning in and listening. 
I hope this was interesting. I know talking sites might not be the most exciting topic. No, it is. But it's something that needs to be talked about. Right. Absolutely. Well, thanks again. Guys, say bye to everybody. See you, everybody. Take care. Make sure to donate to Brandon's GoFundMe for his medical (laughs) expenses. (laughs) We'll see him back in action this fall. We'll be setting up a collection fund for him here. We don't want him to have crooked pinkies or something like that. (laughs) Have a good night, everybody. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Archery Country Podcast. 